0: Uh, I'm gonna say no one's better than me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's go. Blow yeah. I am exhausted. And you probably are too. Welcome to Locked On Dolphins. We have the smoke screens have been turned up to one trillion at the hands of the Miami Dolphins. Uh, today's all about quarterbacks, of course. This is this is what tomorrow is going to be all about as well. Unfortunately, uh, because the Dolphins are probably going to get two more really good football players, at the very least one more really good football player, if they choose to trade up, and that costs twenty-six. Something we should be prepared for. But today is all about the quarterbacks. It's all about how they choose to address the quarterback position. Namely because we are getting a suffocating amount of conflict as it relates to uh, the Dolphins and their interest in Justin Herbert versus Tua. Um, So let's dig in. Let's talk about this. Let's get this out of the way. And then at the end of the show... We are going to stack how I would anticipate the Dolphins' board reads. And we've kind of taken everything into consideration. I'm going to ignore my own biases and, and impressions of the players. I'm going to put them through the filter of the Dolphins and what the Dolphins' offense wants to do. So it should be a good show. Um, let's see. Armando Soguero last night at 12.43 a.m. dropped uh, a bit of a bombshell talking about to a Tongavelo's medicals and health, and included inside a uh, couple newsworthy notes we're going to hit on here. The first one being uh, Armando reporting the Dolphins' doctors examined Tungvaloa extensively in Indianapolis, and the club gave the former Alabama quarterback a passing grade on his physical. And that according to multiple league and Team sources: Dolphins were satisfied the Tonga is on a course for recovery from the hip injury and ensuing surgery that derailed his 2019 season. Okay, so if you're team tank for two, this is great news. Uh, even more so, uh, Armando confirms his report from Indianapolis or just after the 2020 NFL Combine, uh, asserting that the Dolphins made a run at Cincinnati for Joe Burrow. Uh, But Cincinnati was not willing to play ball. Um, That, in turn, is going to translate to the Dolphins staying put at 5. Armando does not think the Dolphins are going to move up out of 5. And his expectation is that Tua is going to be the pick. Armando says... Multiple sources are telling me Tungavello is the favorite to be the Dolphins' selection at number five. That's the reason I ultimately typed in Tungavello to the Dolphins at number five in my interesting, if I do so, say say so myself, mock draft on Tuesday. Armando's words, not mine. Uh, Armando did acknowledge that that mock had Herbert off the board when Miami picked. Uh, Not as sold as what the team would do if both were on the board at five, but that being said, Armando is being told that Tua is the leader in the clubhouse, which would fall in line with what Miami has been attached to for a very long time now. You take that and you compare it to what dropped over the course of the day yesterday from a lot of the mas- national media guys. Like even Mel Kuyper this morning uh, said he's hearing across the board. Miami's in on Herbert, not Tua. Uh, Albert Breer of SI and Monday Morning Quarterback went on the Rich Eisen so yesterday, and his verbiage was: uh, "The Dolphins, to me, are the pressure point uh, where you hear that some stuff that they could take a tackle at five and come back and get Jordan Love later. I think if they do stick, they would take Justin Herbert over Tua. Here's the interesting bit." <laughs> I can't find anybody who thinks they're taking Tua. Albert Breer, who works at Sports Illustrated, can't find anybody over the course of this week that believes the Dolphins are taking Tua. So either the Dolphins have jumped ship or the Dolphins have successfully just run the most effective smoke screen campaign in the history of the NFL draft. (laughs) No one that he's talked to is in on the idea. So, point being this, you have a lot of conflict in reports right now. You're going to continue to get conflict. You will ultimately probably get some clarity. Uh, Of course, tomorrow night you'll get clarity, but you will probably get some clarity by tomorrow morning as well. You may see some of these people that have reported one way or the other swing back the other way, and that should tell you what you need to know. So, take it with a grain of salt right now. Although Albert Brewer did offer one additional uh, backing of Justin Herbert. Uh, he mentioned that Herbert has a big fan in the Dolphins front office and it's Dan Marino. We um, were mentioning Dan was hands-on at the senior bowl and Justin had a good showing there. And uh, from a traits perspective, obviously he checks all the boxes. It's more of the intangibles and the natural feel of the game and, and off script stuff with Herbert. So, That feels like as good of a segue as we're going to get, right? To flip gears, to talk about the quarterbacks, to stack them and how Miami would want to use them. So before we stack any quarterbacks, we do any organization of players on a hypothetical Dolphins positional board at the quarterback position, what matters? What's the most important? Well, uh, Brian Flores, Chris Greer, and company looking for uh, players who are leaders, not just verbally, but, uh, in action as well. So hardworking leaders committed to the game, students of the game, smart. And then you get into physical tan- intangibles. Uh, Chang-Galey has historically liked quarterbacks that have some mobility to them. Uh, Chang-Galey, uh, has traditionally, at least over the course of his last few stops, run this horizontal spread offense, a lot of quick game passing, downhill running, built-in packaged vertical shots over the top, and play-action passing uh, for your deep shots. So, if you try and put everything that you could possibly find in a quarterback into a list, you'd be looking for Leadership and intangibles first and foremost. Football intelligence. I say football intelligence because there's different kinds of smarts, right? And guys that test in the 40s routinely on the the Wonder Lake or whatever, which is a, a meaningless test anyway. Versus understanding leverages and you know, I always go back to what Dan Marino uh, said when they asked him about his playing days, he, he said his mantra was pick a guy and let it fly, right? Like find the open guy and throw the ball. Brett Favre didn't know what a nickel defense was at first. Uh, so this is a really interesting story. If you haven't heard it, Brett Favre uh, obviously knew how to play the game at a high level, but you used the phrase nickel defense to him and it didn't mean anything. Say what? You can actually look and Google that story. Google Brett Favre uh, nickel defense for the full story. It's pretty entertaining. uh, But it's a testament to just feeling the position is an important quality for the Dolphins. They've they've talked about the quote-unquote the it factor, right? And that's one of the concerns that a lot of Dolphins fans have with some of the quarterback prospects that we're going to talk about right now. So I'd be looking for... Leadership and intangibles, innate feel for the game, accuracy, mobility as the most important qualities on display uh, for the Miami Dolphins quarterback hunt. What's notably missing from here is arm strength, and that's why Joe Burrow is presumably, if we're going to believe Armando Seguero's report, double down and then triple down that he had today, that Miami made a run at Cincinnati. Uh, Leadership, entire team gravitated to Joe Burrow. He oozes confidence. He is an incredibly cerebral football player. Joe Burrow is the most impressive quarterback in this year's draft as far as getting out to the line of scrimmage, seeing where he's got guys, where you have guys, where there's vacancies, and understanding where he needs to go with the football. Snap of the finger. Snap the football. Bang. Ball's out. Ball's gone. And he's identifying one-on-one matchups, and he's got great accuracy. He doesn't have a cannon, and he's just mobile enough, especially within the pocket, that he is going to be a constant thorn in your sides if you don't contain rushing. To slip the first arriving rusher, does good keeping both hands on the balls and eyes downfield, and he can run when he needs to. Joe Burrow checks all those boxes. Joe Burrow does not have a hammer for an arm. He doesn't need to have a hammer for an arm. Joe Burrow is uh, oozing with confidence. I think he went on with Taylor Rooks this week and told her he could score 12 to 15 points in an an NBA game. He used to be a pretty high-profile basketball player. Uh, I love his confidence. I love the swagger. I love the way he carries himself, his belief in himself, the chip on his shoulder from his experience at Ohio State not being recruited by Nebraska like the only school he actually wanted to go to because he had brothers that played there. Uh, he has channeled his experiences extremely well to put himself in a place of having confidence but having the chip on the shoulder and the drive and the commitment and the passion for the game. You know, He's a coach's son as well. I say all that to say Joe Burrow's not going to be a Miami Dolph. <laughs> so uh, obviously a big appeal for him is also the fact that he doesn't have the injury red flags that Tua Valoa and even Justin Herbert to a little bit of a lesser degree, uh, have illustrated. So Joe Burrow is going to be Miami's QB1, without a question in my mind. The unfortunate reality is they're not going to touch him. So who becomes QB2? Because that's the player that Miami is probably going to be shifting their eyes and attention to with the number 5 overall pick unless a team jumps up in front of them and preempts them. And that's part of the smokescreen process and why the Dolphins have kept these teams on their heels. Uh, to put some apprehension in, well, if Miami, we think Miami likes all of them, there's a chance Miami takes all of them. If there's a chance Miami takes all of them, why would we trade up and get up in front of them if maybe we don't have to? QB2 for Miami, in my best estimation, is Tua Tagovailoa. If you take the medical component out, he might be the QB1. As far as he's got a magnetic personality, everybody who's around him at Alabama, they rave about his, his persona, if you will, what how he carries himself, the way he energizes his teammates. He's a very humble but confident young man. And he uh, plays the game with big set of eyes, which you appreciate. He, he plays the game. He, he does not want to take losses on plays, and that's understandable. He needs to get a little bit better of living to fight another down, taking checkdowns a little bit more uh, eagerly to protect himself and protect his body because at the end of the day, You could take all the big shots that you want down the field, but if you yourself and your body are taking big shots and you're not on the field to help the team, you're doing nobody any good, right? Accurate to all levels of the field. Tua also does not have a a hammer. I think he's got better arm strength than Joe Joe Burrow does. I think he's a little bit more quick twitch of an athlete in the pocket versus Joe Burrow. He's got a bigger body of work than Joe Burrow. The question is, physically, how do you construct an offense that's going to keep him upright? Because he's got the accuracy, he's got the intangibles, he's got the it factor. For all the, the times he's holding the ball too long, he pulls a rabbit out of his rear end plenty of times. You go back and watch Vanderbilt as a freshman. Watch him come in in the second half of the National Championship game against Georgia. He's got some wow throws. He really struggled this past year against LSU uh, when he came back from the ankle injury. But the second half, you know, they, they struggled for the first 25 minutes of that football game, could not get anything going. Opening script was good. He fumbles when he's scrambling outside the pocket. Turnover, LSU goes takes the ball down. LSU builds a big lead. Tua does everything he can to scratch and call and bring him back watch the second half of the LSU 2019 game with a bad ankle and watch his footwork watch his feet he's really good at feeling that first arriving pass rusher and making him miss beyond that is where you got to get him to improve so pretty confident Joe Burrow is QB1 fairly confident Tua is QB2 of course the question being Uh, if the medicals would deter Miami from taking him, who is QB3? Is he on an equal playing field? Is he on equal footing? Um, I am not going to be the first person to assert this, but the closer we get and the the closer uh, we get to the draft and and the more apparent it is uh, what Miami's criteria is, I think there's a pretty realistic chance Jordan Love is QB3 over Justin Herbert. Uh, and and the reason why being his ability to win off-script. Both of these other two guys are a little bit more quiet. I think they get a little bit of a bum rap for their personalities because they're not like super in-your-face type personalities. Uh, Both Justin Herbert and Jordan Love... Jordan Love has some accuracy lapses. Justin Herbert has some accuracy lapses. They're more prototypical, both of them, in their tools than the other two guys. So, where is the dividing factor between the two? For me, for Miami, it comes to the quote unquote the if factor, the off script plays. That is where Jordan Love has the leg up over Justin Herbert when plays go sideways. When your offensive tackle steps the wrong way and lets a free rusher through, what do you do? Your entire processing and ordering is now in the garbage can. What Jordan Love is able to do in those scenarios, to extend plays, get outside the pocket, and make some of his best throws, his wow throws, in those components, versus Herbert, who is better, in my opinion, to win within structure, but if you get him outside of his processing, that's when you see some of the flashes of like the robotic play. So if you were going to tell me you were going to build the best offensive line in front of whoever the quarterback was, I would probably want Justin Herbert over Jordan Love. But looking at it from the Dolphins' lens and looking at that it factor that that innate feel for making plays when you're it's you versus the 11 on defense and protection busts or you get a free runner and you got to break contain who makes more consistent plays in those scenarios for me it's jordan love jordan love has the throws that like just don't make sense His lows are really low, and his lows are lower than the lowest of Justin Herbert lows. He's the most high variance quarterback. But both of these guys, they're a little bit more quiet leaders. They're prototypical builds. They are all world arms. Justin's better in structure, Jordan's better out of structure. That is the tiebreaker for me and why Jordan Love, I would expect, just based off what we listen to when we hear Brian Flores talk. He's a little bit more fluid, you know, making the first guy miss. He's more consistent making that first guy miss in the pocket and then getting outside the pocket versus Justin. Justin can do it. And I would say this, even if you get down to QB4 and it's Justin Herbert, I as a Dolphins fan, am okay with it and I'm ready to roll with that guy to say that's our quarterback of the future. Let's go. Any one of those four guys, which is a great place to be, you don't <sighs> you ideally probably aren't looking to draft QB3 and QB4 at number 5 overall, but like what are you going to do? If you're going to trade up from 18 and give up extra draft picks, just take the quarterback and be done with it, unless you feel like that guy's going to get all the way to you at 18. For me personally, I have Justin Herbert above Jordan Love, but for the Dolphins and through the scope and spectrum of what the Dolphins criteria is versus my own, and I'm evaluating the players versus uh, the lexicon of all 32 teams and their criteria is my work for the draft network. Give me Jordan Love by the slightest of margins at QB3. Who's QB5? Jacob Eason, Jake Fromm, Jalen Hurts. Give me the guy who also has the rave reviews for his character, work ethic. He's got the mobility. Jalen Hurts. I would pick this guy as Miami's QB5 based on those variables at play. He's not as accurate. He's less of an anticipatory thrower. He doesn't have the cannon that Justin Herbert and Jordan Love do as far as arm strength. But damn, this dude can get outside the pocket. He will make you miss. He'll make you look silly. He'll kill you with his legs. And he's a generally accurate passer who if he sees a guy uncovered, he's going to make you pay. Spot throws aren't where he hangs his hat. But if you were telling me, you know, Jalen Hurts is there for Miami at, if Miami were to somehow manufacture a pick after 70, but still in the top 100, I'd be good with it. I'd absolutely be good with it. There are those out in the draft space and in each individual fan circle. That suggests, you know, don't swing the bat every year on a quarterback until you hit all one. If you're going to adopt that approach, you have to be willing to live with some misses, some costly misses, like the Dolphins did last year with Josh Rosen. In a perfect world, if you turn it around, would you say we probably would have liked to have picked at 62 or whatever it was that they gave Arizona, yes, especially knowing what Josh showed this year in Miami. But Miami took a cheap roll of the dice and a cheap swing of the bat from a financial purpose, and the only reason they did that deal and traded the two is because they traded back in the second round and replaced that two with a two this year from New Orleans, which is pick 56. That makes it easier to swing the bat. And I respect Miami for doing it. And I would choose to respect Miami if they swing the bat again this year. If it hits, yeah, then maybe we need to start, start worrying about what the criteria is. But they're going to build a successful roster based purely on law of averages and the volume of picks that they have. They're going to build a competitive roster. Take your swing, and if it doesn't pan out, then in three years or two seasons worth of of case study, if you want to get off the ride, your roster's going to be fully fleshed out. Trade this year's or the trade your 2022 and 2023 first round picks to jump up in the draft order and go get another guy and swing the bat. But you got to swing this year and if Miami's swing this year, any one of those top four, I'm ready to commit to as quarterback of the future. They won't sniff Joe Burrow, he's going one. Tua at two, medical questions. Jordan Love, super high variance, and the only reason I have him for Miami, not on my own rankings, because I have Herbert above in my own rankings, the only reason I have Love above Herbert in Miami's rankings is that it factor component, and then Jalen Hurts is QB five, more of an end of day two option for the dolphins hope you guys enjoyed i know that this has been a popular uh, question that i've fielded a lot of and i wanted to make sure i got to it and gave it its due diligence as to why each one of these would fall where i would rank them for the dolphins so let's now take a deep breath Ride the ride today. Try not to get too emotional. You're going to continue to hear conflicting reports, but we should see in the next 24 hours, you should see this tide swing one way or the other, and it's going to tell us what we need to know, and it's going to tell us how accurate I may or may not have been in constructing uh, the the Dolphins quarterback draft board. Kyle Krabs signing off. Happy draft eve, Dolphins fans. We've waited a long time for this. It is here. So let's make sure we enjoy it. I'll be back to talk with you guys again tomorrow.